What ranking? Where are we? No. Shows how much I care. <laughs> we moved up today? Where were we last week? Okay. I mean, we lose one, it'll be it'll be gone anyway. So, I mean, just because we've got a number set our name doesn't mean we got I mean, we got doesn't mean much. We don't have enough games. There's not enough games being played. Man, it doesn't mean a whole lot right now. We got we to gotta go to work this week. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of Boot Up, the LSU basketball podcast. I am Cody Worsham, digital media reporter for LSU Athletics. On today's show, we're going to look back at LSU's win over Louisiana Tech on Friday, look ahead to LSU's trip to Orlando for the Advocare Invitational, and uh, and also at the very end, we're going to touch on the two signees for LSU's 2019 recruiting class so far. Uh, I'm recording this on Tuesday morning, and uh, there's still another... Uh, day or two here in early signing period so there's a chance LSU could add a couple guys if they do uh, I'll come back and, and either add it on or, or, or touch on that on a different episode but uh, today's focus will be on the Louisiana Tech game from Friday and uh, and some things that we talked about with Will Wade on Monday ahead of the team's trip to Orlando so let's go ahead and look back at the Louisiana Tech win for LSU 75 67 74 67 win over Tech in, uh, in probably what is LSU's best defensive performance of the year. They held Tech to a point per possession, and, and they were really good in the second half, held them below 40% shooting and, and below 40% shooting from three. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the three-point defense and, and the three-point offense in a second, but it was a good win for LSU, a game that was in doubt for, for a while. LSU was down eight in the second half, but uh, ultimately came back and and won the game and improved to four and zero for the first time since 2012-2013. So, one of the uh, one of the better starts in recent history for LSU and uh, and the Tigers this week are up from number 22 in the polls to number 19 in the polls. Uh, you heard exactly how much that meant to to Will Wade at the beginning of the show there, in the little intro clip as he uh, he was basically asked what he thought of LSU's ranking, said he didn't know what LSU's ranking was. So. There you go. That's how much he cares about the rankings. Um, but that said, it's it's a good start for LSU. It's good to be 4-0. There are still a lot of things to clean up with this team and, and still a lot of things to improve, and, and we'll certainly get to that uh, later in the show. But for now, we'll focus on tech. Um, two guys that, when I went back and watched the film, really, really stood out on tape, and, and Will Wade talked about them after, but it was so glaring on the tape after. Daryl Edwards and Cavell Bigby-Williams were so good in this game for LSU. The two seniors, when LSU needed them to step up, LSU down eight in the second half, those two guys stepped up and played fantastic basketball. And you don't necessarily see it in the stats. Like, if you just look at their stats, they won't blow you away. Cavell Bigby-Williams had five points, six rebounds, uh, three blocks, two steals. Daryl Edwards had 12 points three rebounds, two assists, a steal. Good stats, but not great stats, right? They're, they're not going to they're not going to blow you away statistically, but the performance far outweighed the statistical output. Those two guys, particularly in the timing of their plays, the, the the timing they stepped up and made big plays and the nature of the plays that they were making um, were just phenomenal. And I, I'll let Will Wade talk about it first, and then I'll come back and break it down. It was awesome. I mean, I thought our two seniors thought our two seniors really, really helped us. Cavell's tip in. I thought Cavell played great. 
I thought Daryl played played uh, played his best game. Um, Certainly this year, and maybe since he's been here, just you know, 12 points in 19 minutes, two assists, no turnovers. He was aggressive at the end of the press. I knew we were going to need guys to step up. You know, I knew Nas was banged up, and we just didn't know how much he could do today. He tried to give it a go, and so I knew we were going to need some other guys to be able to be able to step up and and and, and carry some of that slack. And and I thought Daryl was well positioned to do that, and he did that. We talked about it a little bit on the last show, but and Will Wade talked about it before the Louisiana Tech game, Daryl Edwards was due for an offensive breakout. I, I talked about his defensive importance in the last episode. I'm going to touch on that again here in a second, combining it with, with Cavell Bigby-Williams and, and giving you a number that I think is pretty telling of the impact that those two guys when they have when they're on the floor together. Um, but but Daryl was great. You know, it, it was good to see him get going. If you listen to the very first episode of Boot Up, Will Wade talked about one of the highlights of that show, I thought, was Will Wade talking about Daryl Edwards shooting this offseason. If you missed it, Daryl shot the ball so well this offseason from three that they made him start shooting in, in drills with the lights off because he was making so many threes with the lights on, and he was still making like 75% of his threes with the lights off. Um, you, you saw the three ball fall for him. He, he made one finally his first of the season against Tech. But that wasn't how he got going offensively. The way he got going offensively was attacking the rim and really showcasing his footwork and his finishing around the rim. He had three different drives where he used either a Euro step or kind of a hesitation one-two step where he, he, he changed the tempo of his drive, threw off the shot blocker, and then finished with his left hand, which was his offhand. Not only is he a right-handed shooter, it was his offhand based on the foot he was taking off from the floor. He should have shot with his right based on going up with his, his left foot. But he was jumping off of his left foot and finishing with his left hand, which really throws a shot blocker off. Um, re- really good footwork from Daryl and a really great game and a great performance. The other thing is, if you saw the game, it's hard to con- communicate this over audio, but if you saw the game, he was sporting a mask. He had a broken nose, suffered in practice, I think, last week. Surgery a couple days before the game and sort of like Tremont Waters last year, if you remember in the SEC tournament, showing up with a mask and playing pretty well. The mask brought out the best in Daryl Edwards. Yeah, for the whole year. For the rest of the year. I don't even care for Hill. I'm wearing it for the rest of the year. Will talked yesterday in this press conference about mm-hmm. how he just knew you were about to come alive offensively. Mm-hmm. Did it feel different out there offensively for you or was it just Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh I like that's kinda like my type of game, you know yeah. what I mean? Kinda grinded out high pressure moments, you know. For some reason I feel like I just thrive in those type of moments. So I feel like, you know, with the Adrenaline and rush and all that coming and you know, coach having my back and you know, keep keep telling y'all good things even when I wasn't playing too good in the media, that, that goes a long way. I also talked to Tremont Waters after the game about Daryl wearing the mask because he wore a mask last year and, and had some success with it and basically just asked him what advice he gave Daryl and here's what Tremont had to say. Yeah, but I told him at the mask it, it's like a different identity. Like like you come out and you just it's like a Superman, so tell him to wear it for the rest of the season. He doesn't need it, but just be able to have that, that security, like you know you're going to play well. So. Yeah. The, Will talked yesterday about Dar- how he knew Daryl was about to come alive offensively. How good was it for him to get going for you guys tonight? Um, it was great because uh, he started off in the first half. Uh, everyone was pretty much shooting, and he just grabbed the ball, ripped, drew fouls, and that just kind of opened our offense up. So. Everyone was able to obviously shoot their shot, but just getting in the paint helped us a lot. So he started that, and then, as you saw, Skyler got in the paint, I got in the paint, and Javonte got in the paint. So him being a senior guy, he uh, he kind of took that first step, and we, and we just followed his lead. 
The other senior to step up was Cavell Bigby-Williams, and like I said, not statistically a game that you would look at the box score and and think that he made a massive impact. Although, I'll say this, three blocks and two steals, that's a rare combo. In the NBA, they call that stocks when you combine steals and blocks. Statistically, to have five stocks in a game is is pretty indicative of, of what he did defensively. But what Cavell does so well defensively, one, obviously, he protects the rim. And LSU did not have a rim protector last year, and Wilway talked about it a bunch. We've talked about it before on this show. They've got that this year in Cavell. Uh, a couple stats that, that speak to that. One, LSU's blocking 24% of shots at the rim, which is an incredible number. Basically, one out, one out of every four shots that other teams are taking, they're blocking at the rim. Cavell ranks eighth in the country and first in the SEC in block percentage at 17%. So he's giving you elite, elite rim protection, but he's also giving you something else, and, and Will Wade highlighted that pretty well. And there were a couple plays in the game, particularly late, where Cavell just blew up stuff that Louisiana Tech was doing because of his ability to switch on smaller attackers. You know, I think, um, you know, Cavell has just been huge for us because not only can he protect the rim, but you can switch late in the game with him at the five, and he can guard a point guard and kind of keep him out and make him force him to shoot a contested uh, shot. He switched twice on their little flare action out of their horns and was able to run 10 off the three-point line and force some tough shots. So it's not just the shots he blocks, it's the shots he affects uh, with how hard he plays. And, you know, he's an elite, elite uh, shot blocker. And that uh, that really, really helps our uh, our defense. I believe we're top 10 in the country in block percentage and, and blocks, which is good. It saved us because our, it saved us in some in, in some instances. Cavell also had the big putback at the end of the game, LSU up 65-62. He grabs an offensive rebound uh, on on a Tremont Waters miss from the corner. He misses the first putback, gets the second one, and, and you could just see his athleticism, his length on that play. Like Will mentioned, there were a couple of plays where he switched from a guard. I tweeted them out, videos from, from my Twitter account at Cody Worsham, if you want to see the, the visuals. Um, but just the length and the athleticism and the versatility, and more importantly, the the passion that he plays with. He plays so hard. Uh, he runs the floor hard. He, he's really giving LSU a lot right now, and a lot that doesn't show up in, in the box score. Um, but but one last statistic that I'll throw at you. I, I talked about Daryl Edwards' effect on, on LSU's defense in the last podcast. Basically, when he's on the floor uh, going into that game, LSU had a defense that last year would have been top three in the country. And when he's off the floor, they have a defense that would be bottom two in the country last year. Um, I looked at it again after this game. When you put Daryl and Cavell on the floor together, LSU is only giving up 0.78 points per 100 possessions. That'd be best in the country. So those two guys really, really get after it defensively. Daryl is great at the point of attack. Daryl is a great help side defender. He rotates well. He covers up other people's mistakes. And then Cavell is the ultimate eraser. He's he's blocking everything at the rim. And with all the star power on this team, with Tremont Waters, with Naz Reed, with Emmett Williams, with with all this this star power that, that LSU has on its roster, Daryl and Cavell are guys that are really, really critical to what LSU is going to do. They don't have uh, maybe the flash and the flair of some of the other guys on the roster, but they do the dirty work. They do the things that go unnoticed by most, and, and I think it's really important to pay attention to that because if you're going to be a team that competes for championships, you've got to have the guys that can draw the headlines and, and make the highlight plays, but you got to have the guys that are going to win you games too. you got to have the guys that are going to be glue guys, guys that are going to fill in the gaps, and Daryl and Cavell are perfect examples of that.
Okay, another standout from the Louisiana Tech game was obviously Javante Smart. Uh, scored a career-high 16 points. Continues to be so efficient offensively. Uh, he scored his 16 points on 7 of 10 shooting. Uh, a, a quick dive into the numbers. Javante right now, he, he's so efficient. Remember a couple games ago he had 13 points on two shots. Right now he's fifth in the SEC in effective field goal percentage, um, which is phenomenal for a true freshman through four games. He, he's, his effective field goal percentage, which if you don't know, that basically accounts for the fact that a three-point shot is worth more than a two-point shot. So shooting 33% from three is equivalent to shooting 50% from two. It, it sort of weighs that in together. Um, He's been so efficient from the field. He's playing so confidently right now. I actually asked him after the game because something I picked up while watching, Javante seems to really like those competitive environments. Like He likes when LSU gets down or when it's a tight game. He seems to really thrive in those moments. He gets energetic. He starts talking. Um, so I asked him about that after the game, if that was sort of his game, the tough, the physical, the, the competitive, the tight type of game. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, because I'm an energy guy. I like bring energy. That's just my swag. Like, yeah. I like that. Like, this just made me play better. Really, really liking what I'm seeing from Javante Smart so far. We're going to talk a little bit later in the show about the three-point guard system and how Will Wade might be adapting that going forward. Uh, but it wasn't just his shot making. Javante did some really good things as far as playmaking in the first half. He had a great assist to Cavell Bigby Williams on a drive. He made two or three diagonal passes that I thought were really, really outstanding, showed his vision. Um, he, he's going to be a guy that I think becomes even more important for LSU as the season goes on because when LSU tries to find spots for Tremont Waters to rest, which Will Wade is going to touch on later in the show, he's going to be really, really important to be that steady hand, um, that guy that can help alleviate pressure, and, and when Tremont's off the floor, handle the ball for the Tigers. Um, one, of, one more thing on Javante. Of course, the biggest play of the game for him and, and one of the biggest plays of the game for LSU – was his three-pointer late in the game that tied it up. Uh, LSU was tied at 62 with a couple minutes left, and Javante caught it on the wing and threw up a three, and here's Chris Blair's call. Water spinning down the lane, goes up, passes over to Smart, deep three left corner, bounces around, gets the bounce, it goes through good. Tigers needed a three in a bad way. Their first make here in the second half, they're one for seven, but it counts big time. 65-62, Tigers take a three-point lead and a timeout on the floor. Obviously a massive shot for LSU, a massive shot for Javante. I talked to him about it after the game in the press conference, and honestly, his answer surprised me. What would you see on your, your three-point shot there at the end that kind of hit every part of the rim and, and fell in? What would you see and what were you thinking as it was kind of hanging on the rim? No, I knew my brother Wade. I knew he got me, so that's all I was thinking. That, of course, is a reference to Wade Sims, um, the LSU basketball player who passed away uh, right before the season was about to start, I think the, the day that LSU was about to start practice. He and Javante were really close, both Baton Rouge natives. Um, Javante, if you, if you read his social media stuff, he, he references Wade in just about every post. I think he is, as much as anybody uh, as much as much anybody on the team, affected by the loss of Wade and, and certainly keeping him in mind throughout the season. And Will Wade talked about this earlier in the year, saying that in every game, LSU is going to be playing six on five because they're going to have Wade on their side. And, uh, and Javante certainly seemed to, to realize that in the moment as the shot was going up, which is just absolutely profound. But Will Wade also talked about it with the team after the game and, and talked about it in the media as well. Yeah, it was a huge three. I told our guys that was Sims looking down. That was three bounces. That was Sims looking down. He put that one in the basket for us now. We said that. I said that. We said that in front of the team afterwards. Um, but you don't, you don't get me rolls like that. that, was, that there was some help there. 
a cool moment for LSU, a cool moment for Javante Smart, and uh, a poignant moment, and and won't be the last time. It won't be the last time that something great happens for LSU this year, and, and you kind of feel that Wade Sims had a hand in it. So uh, we're, we're still thinking about the Sims family. We're still thinking about the LSU basketball family. We will be throughout the season. Um, it's just nice to see that uh, that his presence is still very much around the program, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, one last thing on Louisiana Tech. i, I got to tip my hat to Will Wade. I thought he coached a really good game. I thought the way that he mixed and matched LSU's defenses in the second half I mentioned earlier they only gave up one point per possession for the whole whole game. That's their best number other than the Southeastern game, which I think you can kind of put that into context and and, and consider the levels of the team. Tech is at a a higher level in terms of a a more prestigious conference. Um, They're probably going to be a better basketball team than Southeastern this year. So quantitatively speaking, probably a better defensive performance, even though the the numbers were slightly better against Southeastern. Uh, But I thought Will Wade did a nice job of mixing and matching defenses they, they mixed in the press late. They had two or three stretches where they held Tech scoreless for three or four minutes, and it was strictly because of their ability to, to throw them out of their rhythm by mixing those defenses up. And then late, I thought Will Wade also managed the game really well with his offense-defense substitutions. Uh, he kept taking off Tremont Waters when, when he needed to, to, to get a defensive sub in and put in Daryl Edwards. He got Tremont back in. Um, just to, to help with the, the size issue. He kept subbing out Emmett Williams and Darius Days, Darius for offense, Emmett for defense. I thought it was a really good mix. And he, he used his timeouts well. He called a timeout after that make to get the defense set. Just a really, really good management of the game. And you, you can see the impact that a, that a coach who can manage a clock, who understands rotations, who understands offense for defense substitutions, um, making in-game adjustments. I thought Will Wade had his best coaching game in-game of the season so far. So that was good to see for LSU and uh, and certainly encouraging and something to keep an eye on going forward. Okay, let's go ahead and look forward to LSU's trip to Orlando for the Advocare Invitational. Uh, they'll play Thursday their first game against Charleston. Then they will play the winner or loser, depending on the result of that game, of Florida State and UAB. And then on the opposite opposite side of the bracket, you've got, uh, I believe, Memphis, Oklahoma State, Villanova, uh, of course, the defending national champs, but struggling right now. Villanova's lost two in a row, including one to Furman, who's coming to LSU later in December, which is a good game to keep an eye on. But it's going to be a good trip for LSU. It's going to be a good test for them. Uh, Will Wade talked a lot about it on Monday. A few topics I want to get into regarding that. First, that the health of Naz Reed. Will Wade said that he he's looking much better. Uh, if you missed it, well, uh, Nazri didn't play a whole lot against uh, Louisiana Tech. He he certainly didn't look like himself. There were certainly a, a few shots offensively that just didn't didn't look like Naz shots. An air ball, one that barely grazed the rim. Um, he, he you could just tell that ankle was bothering him before the game. He didn't start. It's the first game he hasn't started all year. He went and sat on the end of the bench, and, and the trainer Sean Eddy was working on that ankle, and so it was clearly affecting him. Uh, I thought Louisiana Tech did a nice job of, of going at him on the, the other end of the floor. When, when Naz was on defense, they put him in some pick and rolls. He, he just didn't have the lateral movement. Uh, Will Wade said he looks better. He thinks he'll be good to go. So that, that's certainly a good sign for LSU. They need him going. Um, he, he hasn't had his best game the last two games with that ankle injury. This little extended break, you know, not having a game between Friday and Thursday, it should be good for him. It should help him get rested up, and, and they'll be good to go. Um, something else that, that I'm keeping an eye on is the new road routine that LSU is going to go through. I, I don't know the specifics of that road routine, but it is different from last year. If you remember last year, LSU started really well in SEC play, actually, on the road. Really well in the season, actually. They, they went and won uh, at Memphis early in, in December. 
Um, they, they went on the road and, and beat Texas A&M and Arkansas to, uh, to, to start SEC play. And then after that, it fell apart. And then they really, really struggled on the road, um, lost, I think, the rest of their road games. I don't know that they won another game away from home the rest of the year including the SEC tournament and neutral site. So Will Wade spent a lot of time this offseason. He, he traveled to a couple places to figure out how to change the road routine to get them better, uh, playing better on the road. And he talked a little bit about that on Monday. Yeah, we're going to keep them off their feet a little bit more on the road. Hopefully we'll stay a little bit fresher. Um, change some of the our timing on some things. Um, and so maybe a little bit less basketball on the floor a little bit more mental stuff um trying to lock them in a little bit more mentally so again not a lot of specifics there we don't want to give away all the uh the the secrets of the program but there will be a different approach as will wade said they're going to focus more on getting the guys prepared for the game mentally get them off their feet a little bit more Uh, you know i think part of it is just the increased talent should help lsu on the road they 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 just didn't have the horses quite last year to compete on the boards and, and compete defensively the way they needed to. So I, th- I think just a talent increase should help quite a bit, but um, certainly I don't think it's going to hurt at all to, to try to tweak up that routine. And I promise you there's been a lot of research on LSU's part put into that. So we'll see how it, how it plays out. Uh, another thing, that this, this was the question that I had for Will Wade yesterday. Um, th- I think the biggest trend of concern for LSU so far this year is the three-point line, and that's both offensively and defensively. If you look at LSU's offensive numbers, they're all fantastic. They're number 16 in the country in offensive efficiency. Um, you go down, and, and if you're a KenPalm.com fan like I am, uh, all their offensive numbers are in the green, which is good, and uh, except for one. They're, they're only shooting 29.8% from three. And the other red number on that page, which red is obviously bad, is their three-point defense, which they're giving up 41.2% defensively. Uh, from the three-point line. That's 318th in the country. It's even more staggering when you look at the splits. LSU's only getting 21.4% of their points from three. That's 327th in the country. And opponents are getting 47.5% of their points from three. That's number four in the country, or fourth worst if you're looking at it from LSU. And those numbers aren't necessarily a judgment. They're they're more to show you the distribution. But you can see the skew. LSU's not getting enough from the three-point line and they're giving up way too much at the three-point line. And so that's the question I asked Will Wade yesterday uh, on Monday at his press conference. I said, how do you get better at shooting the three, and how do you get better at defending the three? You know, they both kind of go hand-in-hand, in, hand, in my opinion. A lot, we shoot a lot of turnovers. Uh, we've taken some really bad shots. We're going to address that today in film, actually. You must have read my mind with our film. But, uh, you know, we, we've taken uh, – we're, we're going to rein in some of, our, some of our shooting right now. Um, because we're, you know, we're a good shooting team. We should not be shooting 29% from three. And uh, a lot of our shots, we miss them so bad, they pop off the rim, and it's like an outlet pass to the other team. And so we, we, we've got we've to get, uh, get that short up. We're taking way too many off the bounce. We're taking way too many second-thought threes. Um, and then, you know, we are missing some open ones. We missed, we missed five or six just wide open ones the other night. Um, and so we've got to we've got to take uh, got to take take better shots and have the right guys taking those shots. And if we take better shots, we'll be able to defend. The good news for LSU so far this year is that Charleston has been pretty poor from three. Uh, they're only shooting twenty three point nine percent, which is three hundred and thirty eighth in the country. 
However, uh, that, that also could be bad news because it means they're due because they have some good three-point shooters. Last year, they shot right around 36% from three as a, as a team, which was one of the better figures in the country. Uh, Grant Riller is, is back this year. He's a 6'3 guard. Uh, he shot 40%, 41% from three last year, 56 of 137. Uh, he is not off to a good start this year shooting the three ball. Uh, I believe he's one of 15 from three, so you know he is due. And then Jarrell Brantley, who's the other guy that makes them go, um, he's only shooting 22% from three this year, but last year he was at 39%. So both of those guys can shoot it from three. LSU's going to have to defend it better. They're going to have to improve their shot selection from three. Um, those are fixable things. Those are things that, that are correctable, and, and LSU is going to spend Monday's practice uh, going through that. But, um, yeah, that, that's something definitely to keep an eye on with Charleston and then going on to the next game, whether it's Florida State or UAB. LSU's got to shoot the three better, and they've got to defend the three ball better as well. Um, one more thing on, on the offense that I thought was interesting um, yesterday from, from Will talking at his press conference. He was asked about how he thinks the three-point guard rotation has played out so far. And, you know, he's, he's pretty pleased with it. Tremont, Skyler, Javante all playing fairly well right now. Tremont's shooting numbers aren't where they want to be, but uh, I think they'll come up. But he talked about trying to balance those guys playing time together and figuring out how to maximize when they're on the floor together and, more importantly, when they're off the floor together. And if you look at Tremont Waters' minute numbers over the last couple of games, I think you'll get a good feel for what Will Wade is talking about. He wanted this year to not play Tremont quite as much, and then you, you look at uh, – at the first game, he only played 23 minutes, but the last three games, 36 minutes, 37 minutes, 36 minutes, and and that's not ideal for LSU. I think they'd like him to be closer to 32, uh, but then you have to figure out what to do with those other eight minutes, and, and here's how Will Wade said he's, he's hoping to address that moving forward. Well, I've got to do a better job. It's another point. We, we've got to get our rotation better with the guards. I like our rotations with the bigs. With the guards, we've got some bad rotations, so I've got to get our rotations better. We may go, we're going to experiment maybe with like an NBA-like rotation. I've got to rest Tremont a little bit more. I've got to force myself to rest him, um, or he's going to wear down again, even as good a shape as he's in. So we're going to go to maybe a more NBA-type rotation where we have planned times no matter what that we, that we do that because that will force me to – forced me to rest him because I get real jittery when he's not out there and and especially when the other team's pressing and he's not out there I get sometimes you feel like you're seasick over there so you know just watching the ball go all over the place and you know you have motion sickness so uh, uh, you know so I, I gotta do a better job of resting him and making sure when he's out that we have Javante and Skyler in together so we got two guys that can hit I, too often I got one of those guys in with Daryl and Marlin, which is putting a lot of pressure on the one ball handler and caused Javante to get the charge the other night. So I, I got to do a better job with that. We've looked into that and we've, we're trying to. I'm trying to find. I've got. I've got, a, I've got three different options that I'm weighing on how I want to on how I want to do it. But we'll come up with something before Thursday. We got to do a better job with our rotations there. I'm sorry. I know I went way off the track there with the question, but I like how they play together. Now I got to figure out who to play with them when they're out and how to, how, to, how to maneuver through that. I did a little numbers crunching on what LSU's done this year with Skyler on the floor and Javante on the floor and Tremont off. It's only like 40 possessions this year that they've had those that, that exact personnel. And the scoring's about the same. I think with, with Javante and Skyler on and Tremont off, they're scoring 1.25 per possession with those guys uh, with, with any other situation with Tremont on the floor. 
Um, they're scoring 1.29, so it's not a huge difference offensively, but you can kind of feel it. It's kind of a feel thing. It's kind of, uh, like you said, a, a feeling of seasickness. When Tremont's not out there and they're trying to break the press, it's just a little bit less comfortable than you would like it to be. I do think having a, a healthy Nas will help because he can handle the ball so well. He's so big, you can kind of throw it up to him in the middle of the press and break it that way. But um, it's still something that, that I think LSU wants to find an exact way. And I'll be interested to see what those rotations look like, if they just sort of set them in stone and, and, and no matter what, roll out, uh, take Tremont out at a certain time and roll the other two guys out there uh, together. It, it's something that uh, that I'll be fascinated to see. Okay, I think that pretty much covers it for the preview of, of – of the Avocare Invitational. Um, I'm planning to do some sort of episode either in the middle of the tournament or at, at the end of the tournament. I won't be there. I'll be in Texas A&M for the football game on Saturday, but I'll be watching and I'll have my equipment with me, so I'll figure out exactly how I want to handle it. Um, the last thing I want to do on today's show, though, is have Will Wade talk a little bit about his signees for the 2019 class so far. Again, signing day is, is uh, or the signing period, the early signing period is still open as I speak. I think it, it closes tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Um, so LSU could still add somebody to the class. And, and if they do, I'll, I'll figure out a way to work that into a future episode. Um, but for now, they have two signees, and the, one of them is James Bishop. He's a, a, a four-star guy. Um, from Baltimore. Um, excuse me, he's a three-star guy from Baltimore. I think he's going to get bumped up, though, to a four-star having talked to some recruiting guys. Um, he's number 150 in the country, um, just a guy that can absolutely fill it up scoring the ball. Really, really good combo guard for LSU, a guy that can come in and help you right away, but also be potentially a three- or four-year player, which you've got to have those guys in your program. You've got to mix that in. And if, if you, you know, if you do send a guy like Tremont Waters to the NBA next year, um, I don't know what Tremont's plans are, but if he does go to the next level next year, you have a guy in, in James Bishop who can come in and, and help you, uh, right away. And then the other guy that they sign is a Juco guy named Charles Manning, who I think is probably a guy that you would see as a Daryl Edwards replacement. Um, he's a Juco guy. He's going to be defensively minded. He's versatile. He's athletic, six, five, 180 pounds, shooting the ball well this year. Um, Juco guys, so rankings don't really come into to play until later. They don't. The, most of the recruiting services don't do their, their Juco rankings until later in the year. I, I do see that 24-7 has him at number 12 in the country as a Juco prospect. Long, athletic, really, really hardworking. Uh, Will Wade talks about that a little bit here, but a guy that gives you a lot defensively, a guy that's got a really high ceiling offensively. So uh, I'll let Will Wade talk about those guys here, and then we'll wrap up the show. Well, i tell you one thing. You know, the one thing I love about Manning, I've seen him play six times, a couple practices. He's the hardest-playing guy every time you watch him play. No, no question who the hardest-playing guy is on the court every time you see him play, and I love that. Uh, I love that about him. Bishop is just an elite, elite, elite scorer. He reminds me a lot of um, kind of a guard version of Darius Days. Just really knows how to play, really knows what he's doing, really knows how to move. He's going to score a ton of points for LSU. I can assure you of that. Oh, Bishop is. I love him. I love his mentality. I love. I just. I, I love everything. Uh, I love everything about him. You know, and it, he's just a blue collar, throwback city guard. Uh, which which I just love. You know, he didn't ask him the other night. I said, you doing a signing ceremony at your school or anything? No, no, coach. I'm just going to sign it. My mom will sign it. We'll email it to you. You know, I mean, that never happens in today's world. I mean, that's just like 
that never happens. You got eight hats up there. You want to have every. Like, no, coach. He said, I'll sign it in the morning. My mom will sign it when she gets back from work, and we'll just shoot it over to you. And so, like, that shows the type person. Not if you have a huge ceremony, that's a big deal either. I don't, but I'm just saying, that's just, you don't see that today. It shows how mature he is and just. I'm really, really like that. Manning's the same way. They didn't have some, you know, he just, he, he's just a worker. Extremely, extremely, extremely hard worker and just plays uh, so hard. I just, he's versatile. He's, oh, going to be a good player. So I'm very excited about both of them. Hopefully we'll add, add to it here. So as Will said there, LSU not done with this recruiting class. Two good pieces so far. I think they'll try to add, whether it's in the early signing period or in the late signing period, they're going to add, try to add a couple more guys, and, and I, I certainly think that you'll see that. So, okay, that'll do it for today's show. Again, I'll, I'll probably be back a little bit later this week, um, either with a mailbag episode, if you want to get some questions in, uh, just hit me up on Twitter at Cody Worsham with hashtag good question, and, uh, and maybe do either exclusively a mailbag episode or come back after the first game in the Advocare Invitational and, and break it down and preview the second game or, or possibly come back after the second game, preview the third game. We'll kind of play it by ear and, and be flexible. But um, again, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show. Please give us a rating, uh, a five-star rating if you would, and uh, give us a review if you've got the time. If not, just the rating will do and share the episode with any friends that you think are interested in, in LSU hoops. And of course, be sure to tune in at 6 p.m. on Thursday after you have uh, your Thanksgiving meal, and, and you're nice and full. Uh, camp out in front of the TV, turn it to ESPNU, forget about football. You'll, you'll have enough football on Saturday when LSU goes up to Texas A&M and, uh, and beats the Aggies. Um, on Thursday, turn the football off, turn it to ESPNU, 6 o'clock, check out LSU versus Charleston. Should be a good game, a good test for the Tigers, and then uh, keep an eye out for the TV time the next day, whether it's Florida State, who's number 14 in the country, Elite Eight team last year, really good, or a UAB. Either way, good test for LSU and a good tournament coming up. And uh, we'll have plenty to talk about on the next episode of Boot Up. So thanks for listening, and talk to you next time.